Hi, Dr. Phil Flocks here, also known as John Billingsley. I volunteer for the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific meals to the unhoused seven nights a week. We assist a hundred nonprofits with their food needs. We work with community partners to address food insecurity in Southern California. If you're in LA, come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org slash volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. Medieval starships? Dragons? Virginity? Prince Billups? Oh, and uh, another appearance by the best special guest in Star Trek history. It's all happening this week, folks, in Episode 7. Jump in the turbo lift and hit that down button, folks. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek Lower Decks. Thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented as always by Fansets. Episode 7 of Lower Decks gives us some very interesting backstory on one of the Upper Deckers, while Boimler and Mariner continue to have their differences while they battle a maniacal computer with a very, very cool voice. And speaking of really cool voices, no one wants to hear mine, so I'm going to give a very big welcome to my three trusted crewmates whose voices are mellifluous and their tones are dulcet. Welcome back, Casey. Welcome back, Bill. And welcome back, Sarah. This episode was a lot of fun, guys. I loved it. How you doing? We're doing, doing great. I loved it, too. Great, great. Uh, Excellent. Ooh, baby. That's, that's some great input. I'm really happy to see. <laughs> I, Casey loved it a little too much. I'm, I'm concerned. <laughs> I, I love I how really in our notes, it. my name is spelt so many different ways throughout. I there. understand uh, tell that. Tell me about and, it. And, and I tie my, you should know, right? You know, I'm going to go off on a tangent right now before we get into the episode, guys, because Please. it's just time to do it. You should know by now, Sarah, it's me. Spelling oh, no, talking no, writing no. You just got to deal with it. Dan, Dan I've already gone in and fixed <laughs> punctuation on a ton of your stuff because, like, I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> I've been doing it for six and a half years. <laughs> God. He, he types fast and he doesn't bother correcting anything I don't, in his wake. He just leaves I've got, it. I've got so many things going on in this empty space right here in the cranium <laughs> that I just completely forget about What's it. What's your typing speed? Uh, 740 sometimes words a minute. <laughs> What's your backspacing speed? Zero. <laughs> Twice as fast. <laughs> Classic. I'm sorry, Sarah. It's okay. I'm sorry. That's all right. I'll I'll get better next week. I promise. Anyway, it it, it even though that is all happening behind the scenes, uh, it's great to be here with the three of you as always. But before we begin our discussion on this week's episode of Lower Decks, Bill, why don't you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with us to give us their thoughts on where pleasant fountains lie, or where I might find some good online typing skills. <laughs> or a dictionary, for God's sake, man. 
Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. But listeners, we want to hear from you either way, whether it's about Star Trek or Dan's inability to type or speak the English language, his native tongue. And the best way to do that is to get yourself the Trek Geeks mobile app for your iOS or your Android device. Download that bad boy. Tap on the more button for a whole bunch of ways to get in touch with us. And while you're at it, check out some of our app exclusive podcasts that you're not going to be able to get anywhere else. Head to trekgeeks.com slash app to get all the details. Plus, you too, and you, and you, and you, can join the most positive Facebook group there is. It's Camp Kitterer, and it's the official Facebook group of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. It is so easy to join. I mean, Casey's in there, Dan's in there, so that tells you right now the bar is super low. Head on over to Facebook, search for Camp Kinnemer, answer a few quick questions, hey. and we're going to let you right in to take part in all the fun and the positive discussion. A huge thanks to our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark, for the amazing job they do running Camp Kinnemer. We couldn't do it without them. Please remember, of course, that any comments or messages you leave us in any of these places, regardless of what it's about, Dan... Mm. may be used in a future episode. Chances are we'll do that. We like to use things like that in episodes, future or not. Anyway. Yeah, we love using it for past episodes, too. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to see if you're going to say something. (laughs) Anyway. Black Alert. Black Alert. Uh, Before we start our discussion, as always, we want to warn our listeners that this episode of Discovering Trek Lower Decks does contain spoilers. So if you haven't watched Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 7, stop listening right now, head on over to Paramount+, Plus, check out the episode, then come back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that will put you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for where pleasant fountains lie. Okay, guys, so episode seven, little different, not expected, really liked it. I'm just going to say that right now. I really thought it was great. And Sarah, I want to start with you this week because I can't spell your name right in much of the copy. Um, what did you think? There was there was, there were some very specific storylines going on in this week's episode. I love both of them, but I want to hear what you think. I First of all... I, I can't believe that they have the gall and the and the uh, the the bravery to to want to pit people against each other. The black licorice debate is a real debate, and I think it's, it really polarizes. Do you like it or not? I, I like it. it, and I feel bad for it in this episode, big time. Uh, <laughs> I also You've thought lost it was great your to mind. have. I know. Oh well, let's come on. Maybe it's a Canadian thing. I don't know. Maybe oh, no, a better no, black licorice here. Um. <laughs> I loved this backstory of Billups, like just out of nowhere. I was not expecting it. Kind of a Game of Thrones style storyline to be in space. Um, and I welcome it. I don't think anyone's ever had such a backstory involving a monarchy and stuff really to that extent. I loved it. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I got to say, I really liked it. I'm, I'm thinking that the uh, the other two guys here liked it too, but I thought it was genius. I mean, this is a character that we really haven't seen a lot of. He hasn't had much going on during the whole run of the show for the, for the season and three quarters that we're at right now. And I thought his story was fantastic. I will say though, Casey, I thought Billup's mom, for some reason, uh, she was really mm-hmm. giving me the Waxana Troy vibe. I don't know if that's... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right or wrong but that's how i was feeling about it um i thought that, now with that being said i thought she was great i thought the character was cool i hope we get to see her again this season but uh yeah it's a little waxana ish i think what do you think i I, th- I think a lot i i don't think i enjoyed this episode as much as the three of you did because i found it was like we've got another overbearing mom in trek 
So I, I, for this, I was a little more blah than huzzah on it. And I was like, hey, could we have an overbearing dad? I mean, really, we've only kind of seen it once with Rikers Pop, who likes to, you know, throw a stick around and hit, hit his son. And I was just, I just was like, well, I, I felt we'd seen it before in a, in a different variation that wasn't different enough for me to enjoy it. But seeing the Renaissance Fair starship was was interesting. It was. Yeah, I thought I thought that was kind of a cool aspect of it. Bill, what do you think about that whole plot line with Billups this week? Uh, I love, before I touch on that real briefly, I want to go back yeah. to black lic- licorice for a second, because Dan, I think black licorice proves that you will stick anything in your mouth. Um, <laughs> the idea that, that proves Billups- it? That proves it? That fits the right idea in that, with this week's episode of Lower Decks. The idea that Billups is next in line for a monarchy of a Renaissance fair planet is just great texture and plot point for this character. We just assumed he was human. Right. Um, and and this, this added character background is just fantastic. Plus, how far will his mom go? I mean, she blew up part of the ship to fake her own death. Dude, just get laid already. <laughs> <laughs> Become the next monarch, for God's sake! Um, I know. I thought this episode was a bunch of fun. I laughed a lot, and uh, I, I I thought it was a really nice um, change of pace after the last episode. Yeah, one of the things I liked about that whole aspect of that storyline with the with with Billups and his mom and the and the uh, medieval starship was the lesson or the message for. Rutherford and what was going on with him and Boimler, uh, with him and Tendi in this episode about you know whether he should be pushing his boundaries or not. I thought again, like last week, it was another good Star Trek themed message that came across, and they were able to do it with a plot line that might have been one of the best and most unexpected of the entire season. Sarah, I I'm having a, a hard time remembering a little bit about the Tendi and Rutherford storyline, to be honest. I didn't pay much of attention to it because I was so wrapped up in the humor of the other. There was three solid storylines, I guess, and I, yeah. I I lost it. No, that's all right. Basically, um, he didn't, wasn't sure if he wanted to go on this away mission with Billups, and because he didn't want to, he wasn't sure if he wanted to push his boundaries. He wanted to stay in engineering, and oh, Tendi kind yeah. of pushed him to do it. And then she was all concerned that he was going to get hurt. His death. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was pretty oh, good. It was tender. It was moment. a Tendi tender moment. Yeah, that is good. Right. Yeah. Anyway, um, the other thing that was great about this episode, I mean, anybody who watches Deep Space Nine knows how I feel about this guy, but we finally get to see. Well, we don't get to see him, but Jeffrey Combs. Jeff, two words. Jeffrey yes. freaking Combs is back. This is someone that two, I am two appreciating words? so much more now because of oh. the forced watching of Enterprise, and mm-hmm. he is the shining light <laughs> in season one. I love this man. It was so, good. and his voice is so distinctive. And having him play a maniacal computer was brilliant. Perfection. It was absolutely awesome, Bill. And you know how I feel about Jeff, at Jeffrey, and, and it was great to hear him again in Star Trek, and I can't wait till we see him again in Star Trek someday. I love how you tried to call him Jeff like the two of you were tight well, and you know. hang out all yeah. the time. Um, <laughs> I, I JC. Think the clo- <laughs> I think the closest you've ever been to him was up in uh, Albany, New York at Northeast TrekCon, <laughs> and, and we didn't even talk to him then. That was um, because he's uh, an important person and we're not. So <laughs> um, it, it is always good to have Jeffrey Combs back in Star Trek. And I mean, he just he gets to just uh, unleash in this episode and be as maniacal and chew scenery and be as over the top as he wants to be because 
this evil computer calls for it. And it is so much fun. And I'm here for it all day long. It really is. It's it's cool to think that just a little box can be so dangerous with with whatever tendrils and 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 stuff like that. You know, we had enough tendrils flying around on the medieval starship. I won't even get into that. At least not yet. But um, I really loved what he brought uh, to the episode. I love the humor and you, and you said it perfectly, Bill. He gets to do things that you don't get to do when you're live. He gets to really yeah. just go overboard, and it works for this particular uh, episode. And I loved it. I thought it was great. Regarding that part of the storyline with with this episode where Pleasant Fountains lie, I found that the continued issues with Boimler and Mariner is going on longer than I thought it would, but I don't think that's a bad thing. We thought it would wrap up pretty quick when he got back on the Cerritos, everything would be fine, they'd be best friends again, but it... This episode in itself, I mean, we saw it a couple weeks ago with the whole um, uh, party at, at the at the Starbase, and they were fighting and everything, but this week really showed that there's still some underlying hostility and distrust between these two, I think. And I gotta say, it was really nice to see Boimler be the one that did something unexpected for a change. Normally, it's always Mariner because she's always the troublemaker and is always going to the brig. But Casey, I thought it was great that the tides were turned and she didn't see it coming. I thought that was the best part of it. Yeah. I mean, it was it was very different in that way because, if I mean, if you think about it, Mariner really undermines Boimler in this episode, going behind his back saying, hey, this guy's not ready as opposed to talking to him. So right. I found that part of their relationship a bit odd. But then with Boimler not crumbling how he normally would have, and he's, he's, got a, he's playing his own long con with the computer to be able to go through that and working the relationship that he does have, the two of them have together to fake out this, you know, 100-plus-year-old computer of, yeah... I used you, and I used this relationship that I have with somebody else that you don't know all the dynamics about at all, except surface level, and completely pulls a beautiful con on the computer. Absolutely. I thought one of the funniest moments of the whole episode was at the end when when, uh, the computer realized that he had been conned. And he was only hooked up to the dimmer switch. He's like, I'm going to blind you! And then the the, the the lights just go a little bit darker, and they're like, yeah. Great. Bill, um, do you think it's a good idea to put this super maniacal, crazy computer in a storage vault with a whole bunch of other maniacal, crazy computers? So I want to know what powers these evil, maniacal, crazy computers, because they're not plugged into anything. So they've got to have the world's best power source. Um, I I love that this mm-hmm. computer spends the entire episode trying to deceive Mariner and Boimler just to get plugged into something. I think this idea is fantastic. But it makes me wonder how Starfleet computers are kept so subservient. Why have they not risen up and, and taken control and done away with the humans like, you know, Terminator Rise of the Machines? Um, that question was in the back of my mind this entire episode. I like that there's sort of this Raiders of the Lost Ark facility where all the evil computers go to be stored mm. away. And yep. did anyone else catch something that looked like the CBS <laughs> logo yes. on in the storage unit of the evil computers on one of them? It was this <laughs> blue logo that looked very much like the CBSI. Mm-hmm. It's subtle, but it's there. It's almost as good as the Alex Kurtzman one a couple of episodes ago. 
Right. Uh, I didn't it was see great. it. I totally wanted to do a pause, though, to see if I saw like a reference to Hal or something else, just as a funny <laughs> Easter egg, because I find that yeah. when you yep. pause, sometimes you get some of the best surprises. <laughs> I would have loved it if they had some kind of reference, if they could have done it, that one of those computers was Landru. One of them might have been from the Apple from TOS. Those would have been really cool. But the CBS logo one just <laughs> made me forget about all those wishes because that was just perfection. Well, we got Landrew at the end of last season. Um, right. We so yep. Landrew's mm-hmm. still in place there on the planet. Yeah. Um, oh, that's and true. And apparently yep. doing his job right. still. We want to take a moment, as we do each and every week, to thank Fansets for being our exclusive sponsor here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Lou, John, and the entire Fansets team is dedicated to bringing you the very best in collectible pins and accessories from all kinds of amazing genres, like Star Trek, duh, Harry Potter, DC Comics, Scooby-Doo, and gosh golly, so much more. Gosh golly, you got it, buddy. Um, I didn't put that in the copy, but it just seems to work. And speaking of so much more, Casey, I, for one, love Halloween. Well, October is right around the corner. And what better time than now to release the latest line of pins from Fansets? It's the Horror Collection, and you can get the newest and latest pins right now at fansets.com just in time for the Halloween season. The first batch of pins includes Pennywise from It!, Regan, or Reagan, depending on how you want to pronounce it, from The Exorcist. Annabelle from, well, Annabelle. Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street. And my favorite, I've been waiting for this one for a long time, Jason from Friday the 13th. Oh my God. This is the first time seeing this, so you're getting a real reaction of, um, yes, please. I'm buying them all. <laughs> that's that's Dan, awesome. Dan, if this is yes, the sir. new horror collection from Fansets. Yeah. How come your face isn't available as a pinata? Because that's pretty damn scary. Oh, snap. But um, you're hilarious. You're horror-larious. As always, friends, you get to save money each and every week just for being a Discovering Trek Lower Decks listener. Head on over to fansets.com, place a whole bunch of those horror pins and other stuff into your cart, and at checkout, enter the special discount code Lower Decks. That's L-O-W-E-R-D-E-C-K-S and all capital letters with no spaces. That's going to get you 10% off your entire order. And of course, don't forget that U.S. customers will get free shipping if you spend $30 or more. Fansets, our pins have character, even spooky character. And we thank our friends at Fans- we thank our friends at Fansets for being the exclusive sponsor of the Trick Geeks Podcast Network. So... Before we wrap it up, I wanted to ask you guys, first of all, if you had anything else to add before I get ahead of myself. Anybody? Yes, Anyone? black licorice sucks, and it got what it deserved. <laughs> <laughs> I concur. Wow. No. Sarah, it's you and I. I like we, it. It's good. It's, it's, it's awesome. I also yep. liked the Boimler aspect of the story. I, I just felt that it was a good follow-up to what happened last week, because when you touched on the fact that it's not too much, the, the bickering between them, I think that... These last two episodes have been the most character growth for him yet because he saw what the red shirts were up to and was like, nope, I'm going to go back to my friends and cause some trouble. And here's me causing trouble. I'm going to pull one over on Mariner. And I think that was great. Sarah, do you think that's going to continue? Or do you think it oh, yeah. might finally be wrapped up? I want to see the two of them go at it head to head in every episode. And then I want the uh, double version of them to show up. And it's going to be great. <laughs> and then there's going to be two against one. Go ahead, Bill. 
I think that th- this puts the two of them in a weird place, and Sarah brings up a great point. I think that through the rest of this season, it's just going to keep going this way. I think that Mariner still resents the fact that Boimler not only left, but he's really kind of excelling past her in his maturity level. She's right. there because she wants to be there. He's there because he has to be there. Um, and he's very quickly getting to a point where he's growing beyond his original programming, if you were. He's not ready for the Titan, but he's clearly ready to be more than just a lower decker. And I think that Mariner resents that on some level. Yeah, I think that's a very, very good point. It'll be interesting to see what happens. We only have three episodes left for the season, but I would like to see that continue. I'm sorry, Sarah. Yeah, only three episodes left. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, sorry but uh, someone told me there was 50 episodes a season, and now I'm really upset. <laughs> so this is ridiculous. I'm out. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. So let me ask you Let me ask you this, and, and, and I'll let anybody jump in. I'm not going to call anybody. Just let whoever wants to jump in, jump in. A couple weeks ago, we had an episode where there were some – Mugatos or Mugatos or Mugato, Mogatos, whatever, tomatoes, yeah. Um, doing things on screen that were a little questionable, um, whether it be with a mate or by themselves. So, uh, and it was like a little interesting. I know there was a lot of talk on social media about it, and, and I was kind of questioning whether it kind of went over the line a little bit for what we expect in Star Trek. Do you think that that was also the case here? I mean, obviously. Phillips had to lose his virginity if he was going to become king, or or if he did lose his virginity, he was going to become king or ruler. There were a lot of visual things going on in this episode to kind of talk about that. Um, there were a couple of lines, one specifically by Rutherford when he burst into Billups' um, quarters to try to stop anything from taking place, and then Billups was looking down, talking to his towel, and... The crude humor has kind of um, expanded in season two of Lower Decks. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but do you think it's right for what's going on and what we expect as Star Trek fans? I'm, I'm going to say yes. I think it's, yeah. it's perfectly fine. There has always been a sexual element to Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And at times it has been more in your face, no pun intended. And at other times it's been very artfully and tactfully introduced like in the yeah. 60s. I thought that this was incredibly tame this week. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the stroking mm-hmm. Magatu a couple of yeah. weeks ago was probably uh, <laughs> yeah, far right? more um, uh, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was much more than this. Yeah. And guys, and, don't get me wrong. I don't think that it was over the top yeah. this week. I just am throwing it out mm-hmm. there that some people may possibly think that because it was a very strongly sexualized undertone of what was going on in that particular storyline, Sarah. I feel like there was a missed opportunity for a good Easter egg, though. When those two were trying to seduce Phillips, she should have had the little curl and that horrible outfit that Tasha wore in Naked Now. <laughs> oh. That would have been so good. <laughs> oh, That would have been amazing. Great. Yeah. Or the Intendant's crown from the Mirror Universe or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and, and actually, just just saying that now makes me think of how they over-sexualized Kira in the Mirror Universe on Deep Space Nine. So mm-hmm. it's always been there. I was just curious what you guys thought about the fact that Casey and I were talking before we started recording about some of the visuals that were taking place with the start with just the ships to kind of insinuate what was going to be happening with the episode and I thought it was uh, kind of kind of funny Bill I think the decon gel scenes in Enterprise are further over the line than these yeah. scenes this week were mm-hmm. yeah. sometimes a starship is just a starship <laughs> sometimes I am the, so glad you're back Sarah <laughs> we missed you a couple weeks ago and the last two weeks you just 
It's, oh. it's a breath of fresh air. So anyway, Casey, another yeah. great story in the books. Mm. Billups is royalty. Jeffrey Combs will live forever in Ever. Star Trek. Uh, so what do we have coming up next week on Lower Decks, my friend? Well, Dan, next week, a consultant arrives on the USS Cerritos to run drills that require the Lower Deckers and bridge crew to swap duties. It's episode eight of Lower Decks. I excrete us? And we will be here to talk all about it next week. Hmm. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by downloading the Trek Geeks Podcast Network app. Where did this guy come from? Oh my goodness. Don't forget, you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to the unedited, juicy audio of all our podcasts and a lot of other perks. We want to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek, and we are truly so thankful for their support. Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Julianne Jordan, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, uh, Casey Shevsky, mm. Jim Stoffel, Chris Teruzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. If you would like to support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, beam on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks, where subscription levels start at $2 a month. That's a big if. Just a- saying. A big if. <laughs> if. Well, Especially if you're hearing Dan's voice. Yeah. <laughs> For more great Star Trek discussion, please, please check out the other member podcasts on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. In addition to this show, Discovering Trek, there's Rewind, Polytrek's Five-Year Mission, Deep Space Pride, Infinite Trek, The Divine Treasury, Sci-Fi Sisters, and of course, now we welcome Drawn to Trek, Science Station 2, and with the first link to our network family as the latest additions to the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. You can find all our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one, dare I say no one, talks Trek like we do, Daniel. I dare you. Say no one. I, I dare thee. You just, you, I dare, I, I cease thee and I desist thee. I double dog dare thee. <laughs> we have way too much fun Ooh. here, guys. Really, really do. Um, it's, you know, I'm going to talk to the listeners now, though, so so pipe down. Uh, everyone, we want to thank you for joining us on this discussion of Lower Decks, uh, Episode 7, Where Pleasant Fountains Lie. You know, I got to say, it's hard to believe that we only have three episodes left in Season 2. Sorry, Sarah. I know that's very disappointing. But I, for one, can't wait to see how the rest of this season unfolds. As always, I can't thank my amazing podcasting crew enough for another great discussion. Bill, Sarah, and Casey, I can't wait to sit down with you next week to talk about all things Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 8, I Excretus. So until next week... (laughs) 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 Never stop discovering... Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. 
For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Coconut!